Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharp Ross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. I'm just going to say, Amanda, I'm so delighted to, I'm so glad, glad to know you. So thrilled having heard your keynote on the Podmax event. And so we've had the conversations that we've already been blessed to have. I think you guys, you and I are very much kindred spirits in a lot of way, our passion for life, our drive, our ability to build businesses and and work so closely with people. And we both have this very soft, smushy, sweet, then I feel like there's a lot here that we really connect on. I want you to take us back a little bit. I want you to take us back to really kind of what you as a young woman, your dream, your passions, what you envisioned your life would be. And, you know, as you, as I just noted, you know, you went through college and thought you were going to be studying music and kind of embarking on this music career, but take us back to the kind of earlier days. And I want to be able to share some aha moments and maybe catalyst moments that really caused some reinventions in your life. Yeah, I really resonated with what you had uh, read from your book that was delightful of this idea of reinvention. I feel like I've lived so many lifetimes in my life thus far. I was a competitive gymnast growing up. Uh, that was my end all be all. Uh, and when I I got to a point where I do a, a tumble pass and my ankles would hurt so bad, I'd have to be on crutches for a week. So that wasn't sustainable. Then I decided, okay, maybe I'll do music. And uh, my father was always very supportive. He said, you know, I've worked as hard as I have so that you can do whatever you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? I will support you. So that's when I started singing. And uh, in about over the 10 years that I was a singer songwriter, I produced, uh, four different records. Um, most of them were uh, my own songs and touring the coast and, uh, going to college in that, in that period as well. And, uh, yeah, uh, then that turned into more of a study of alternative medicine because my father was diagnosed with leukemia. So for a year and a half, we went through every positive possible alternative you could think of. We had two people on staff going through all of the different alternatives for leukemia. And we did sound therapy, light therapy, oxygenation therapy. I mean, pre-speaking in tongues. I studied with monks from Japan. I met my guru who I study under now. She's from India. So um, that took me on a whole nother journey of trying to understand. Yeah. I love this part. So I'm going to make you sort of pause in this space, in that time what was your your quest there? I mean, that that's a pretty significant space to go into. Um, I grew up with a lot of holistic healing. My mother was a shaman, um, practiced yoga when I was three years old. So I grew up with a lot of that in my life. But to really pick up and go somewhere and spend the time that you did, that's pretty special and pretty extraordinary. So what was that calling that kind of sent you there, brought, pulled you there? And how long did you spend in that space? And, and what did that do to change your life? Yeah, uh, well, I was 
trying to save my dad's life. Um, so he was going through chemo and every single day, he didn't spend one night alone in the hospital in the year and a half that he was there. It was between me, my mother and my brother. And, um, yeah, it was rather intense. Uh, so I would do different energy work with him, uh, to get away his headaches and his nausea. He, uh, we were very big on diet and studying all the kinds of different diets. Cause there's so many out there. Um, but really it, it, uh, all of that study stopped when I found my guru, she, I mean, she was just so to give you an example, I had celiac disease. I was allergic right. to wheat. The smell of pizza would make me nauseous. I was so highly allergic. And uh, she said, you can be cured of celiacs. And I said, no Western doctor has ever told me that I could be cured of celiacs. And she right. said, every disease in the body is just a disease of our minds. If we can release the disease, the anger, the fear, the frustration, the guilt, then we can heal. We can heal ourselves. So I ended up going and studying in her healing center in Singapore. And I went through a six week program wow. that rebuilt my stomach lining. And I came out being able to eat wheat which is Amazing. shocking, Amazing, right? right? Unbelievable. Yeah. And so then from there, yeah, yeah, sorry. No, go on. You go, 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 go. From there, then I came back to the United States and wanted to carry on what I had learned in Asia because people in America need to learn this as well, right? It's so important. We learn how we learn math, we learn science, we learn algebra, but we never learn how to understand ourselves. We never learn how to process anger. We never learn how to process fear, how to do it in a place of acceptance and love and gratitude. So yeah, that's been a bit of my quest and I've studied under her for the last 10 years. That's incredible. So she's still a big part of your life every day mm -hmm. and something that you obviously infuse into everything that you do. So are there daily practices that are part of your kind of ritual that set you up for a great day, a great week? Like what are those things that you kind of lean into that you love to start your day with or end your day with that kind of ground you? Or or better yet, make you fly? <laughs> um, yes. Um. <laughs> I could just say it or like one of my favorites is um, in English is I'm happy. I love myself. My body's full of love and light. I'm happy. I love myself. My body's full of love and light. I'm happy. I love myself. My body is full of love and light. I'm happy. I love myself. My body's full of love and light. If you if you repeat that for three minutes straight, I don't care how much of a curmudgeon you are. You will have to laugh and smile. And I used to do this in, um, in, uh, meditation classes and such. And people would start off like, mm -hmm, pee. like this is right. the silliest thing. And, and by the end of it, you just have to smile. It's too good. So uh, that's, that's, that's one of them. I love yeah. That. I do a lot, a lot of chants. I, I really believe in the power of your voice. Yeah. And the power of the words. Yeah. Those words, I mean, really to, to sort of level set ourselves in a place that we can operate from is just, you know, it, it's a skill set that we have to remind ourselves that we're capable of doing. And I think it's just extraordinary. And I, I had a, I knew there was a bit of that because of the conversations that we've had and seen and heard. So thank you. Thank you for going there and, and just picking up that guitar right then. Yeah. Why um, talk about it? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I love that. So let's fast forward a little bit. You came back. You, what was your focus in life at the time from a 
from a business standpoint? Where was you, how was your father doing at that time? Um, yeah, uh, there was about that. And for a year and a half in the hospital, never once did he sit me down and say, this is my business. This mm. is what it does. These are the companies. These are the people that run these companies. These are the people, this is what the future could be. I never once, and I was there, you know, we, we would pull all-nighters. I would pull an all-nighter with him, you know, yeah. twice a week. And right. there was never any of that. So when he actually passed, um, I had to learn it all like, the clients do, right? I had to pick up this book and I just started reading it. I had to had you put up read the book. No, okay. I'd never read the book. I'd never seen him live on stage. I'd never done any of his wow. online training programs. None so of it. It like, was like two separate worlds. You had no clue. Yeah. I mean, I, I sat around the table with him, right. When he'd talk about his day, I would be at the dinner parties, you know, with all of his clientele. And, you know, when I made my lemonade stand, he's like, you have to make it the best lemonade stand, you know, the best lemonade in the world. And people would stop and go, why is it the best? Cause my dad said so. <laughs> you know? So I got little learnings along the way, but it wasn't right. it was uh, very subtle. Right. right. I mean, the first day I looked at the PL, I remember just breaking out sobbing in tears because I didn't know what half of the companies were. When people would ask me, what does my father do? I'd say he does something with business. Right. You know, I had no idea. A lot of that, a lot, uh, the reason why CHI is a thriving company today is really so much of what my guru taught me about getting through my emotional blockages, like you're saying, reinvent, right? Um, my belief system was I'm a 24 year old singer songwriter. How could I ever run a sales and marketing company that assists businesses that are, you know, established, right? With all these consultants that have spent decades doing this, how could I ever do this? So it was a combination of, you know, going within myself to reinvent myself, to clear away all of everyone else's thought processes or what I believed I should be and just being true to me and then studying my father's stuff and going, okay, that's how he did it. I think I'll do that too. But instead this time, I think I'll automate it and put it into a funnel and make it an opt-in page and then use it, you know? So I just utilized it for what the times are today. I was going to say, it sounds like you brought your sense of where we are today, your, our generation, you know, this is not your father's Oldsmobile, like this is time to bring it into the new generation. Now there had to have been executives within the company and they had a lot of good knowledge, but you stepping in as the CEO and having to, and, you know, we talk about this, as a matter of fact, in the chapter that I read from, there's an amazing story um, about someone coming into a company with a lot of young people. And sometimes, you know, it's the older coming into the younger, it's now the younger coming into the older. Those have sort of said, look, we've been doing this for a long time. We know what we're doing. Um, how, what was that experience like? Like that, that point of entry, those first six months, um, were they just sort of saying, come on in, Amanda, we are going to show you the way so that you can be the best CEO for us? Or was there a little resistance of, wait, why am I not sitting in the CEO seat? Why is she? Like, did you deal with a bit of that? Or what was that that process like? It was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. I oh, wish I could lie and say it was a great experience, but I can't lie. No, it was it was really rough. For the first two years, I, I looked at different C-suites to hire. I hired out many different executives. And, um, I mean, they'd look at me and they'd be like, do you want to do it? And I'd look at them and I'd be like, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> so it, it was, 
I mean, my father hadn't been a part of the day to day for years, right? He had, you know, he, it was him. And then he had his 12 different CEOs of all of the different companies. And then those would have other people that would report to him. So he was, you know, five steps away from the day-to-day sales being made. Um, but when you lose your founder, you you lose like the heart, the like the heartbeat. Yeah. Like you have a whole body, yeah, it operates, but if without the heart, you have nothing. So right. um, yeah, it took me a while to have the guts to step in. It took me quite some time. Mm. So did you, you clearly had to learn on the job. This was not something you went to school for and to your point trained for. And, and, you know, it's not like you were there working at the company all the time. Were there moments where you said, I don't think I'm going to stay here. It sounded like an okay idea at the time, but this is not for me. Did you have those restless nights, those soul searching moments? I mean, you are a person who is so deeply connected to your true self and the work that you've done. Were there really hard moments for you where you had to really kind of establish whether this was, whether you were going to stick with it? And that's what Most definitely. For you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, it's been eight years since my father passed. So a lot of those peaks and valleys, a hundred percent. Yeah. Very and difficult. Yet. And, and I would go back and forth between the, all the spiritual, uh, work with the nonprofit with my guru. So right. that that's been a big part as well. There's been years at a time where I'm working one day a week or a couple hours a week because I have people in the organization that are running the day to day. So yeah, I've gone in and out of that. So we've talked about the hard part. We've talked about the pain. We've talked about the challenge getting there. Tell me about the fun part of what you do because what you do empowers thousands and thousands of people. And that's quite extraordinary. So tell me what you love the most about what you're doing. And for those listening who want a better understanding of exactly what your company does, yeah. tell a little bit about the, the joy ride that you are on. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, something that we just recently been working on is a, uh, my father started this concept. It's the fastest, least expensive way to double sales. And he originally uh, made it when he was working for a billionaire by the name of Charlie Munger. Maybe you've heard of Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett's business partner. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in that business, he was able to double the sales of Charlie Munger's, uh, nine different companies all within 12 to 15 months. And several of them doubled multiple years consecutively. And the way that it worked was he was given a list of 2000 different advertisers and they said, okay, cold call these 2000 people. After my father did a little bit of research, he realized that 95% of the advertising was bought by only 167 of those 2,000. So instead of going after all of them, he just led an intensive effort to just those 167. And then the best buyer, you know, dream buyer strategy was born. Uh, Since then, we've taught companies how to win their dream clients. And it's the one strategy that has doubled the sales of more companies than any other. I mean, the amount of success stories we have from everything you could imagine, it's just so magnificent that the reason why majority of people fail at winning their biggest clients is 80% of sales are made on the 5th to 12th contact. And yet only 10% of salespeople ever follow up after the third piece of contact or third contact, right? So 
majority of people miss out on that pig-headed, what we call pig-headed discipline and determination to make sure that you win those bigger, better, best clients. And, uh, you know, we've been teaching it for since 1991. Right. So quite some time now. And I had been spending a bunch of time on Clubhouse recently because it was such a fun medium. Uh, And I started hearing these people talking about, you know, dream 100, dream 100. And I thought, wow, it doesn't sound like you really know what that is, but you've heard it. Like it's become this industry norm of, yeah, I send people mailers. I send them gifts in the mail. And I go, oh, wow, did you get them as clients? And they go, oh, is that the point? I just sent them a mailer. Was was that what that was supposed to be for? And I'm like, okay, I think we need to create something where people can understand this a bit better. So that was our most recent course is just teaching the methodology that can be repeatable and successful over the decades that we've been teaching the best buyer strategy. And uh, so that's something that I did recently that was a bunch of fun. And it was like, uh, we listen, I was listening. I think a huge part of where we miss today is that we just don't listen, right? We just want to talk so much that we miss out on listening. And when I listened that originally, when I stepped into the company, I was mostly just listening and asking questions and the same thing on clubhouse. I was just listening and asking questions and then coming up with a solution for what people say that they want, right? So many people are having to reinvent themselves with COVID, right. listen to what they want, and then can you provide it? That That's crucial. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, it's a big thing that I talk about is the listening and listening to ourselves first and foremost. Who are we? Are we still in there? What do we want? What are we trying to, you know, connect with in this life for ourselves? But then learning how to listen so that you can grow and being open to all those possibilities. And I think people really are at a place right now more than ever after the last year that everybody's been through in really trying to figure out. We've had this moment of pause. And this is, you know, the, the pause that I've said in my book that we all had to take and create for ourselves. And, you know, the world kind of served it up and said, take a breath, take a pause, you know, from this hair on fire life and going out every night and doing things and crazy like schedules that we've all lived on. And it's actually given people, a lot of people an opportunity to rethink about what they want, to rethink about their business. How many conversations I know I've had, and I'm certain you've had about people really rethinking what their business is about, not only what they stand for, but you know, when you and I talked about this the other day, what are we doing today versus what we were doing three years ago and what we actually want to be doing as a company? And how do we change that? How do we steer that boat in a different direction? And it's the kind of input with what you do and what you offer at the company and the organization that helps people really understand how to do it. You know, I love the statistic you shared about people stopping after that third contact, I think about the salespeople that I'm getting emails from, you know, trying to sell me, you know, a service. It might be a lead generation service or something. And I usually get two or three emails and it's delete, delete, delete. And by the fourth or fifth one, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll look like you get to a point where you're like, I'm just curious as to why you're so persistent. Like there must be something there. That's a good point. But then also it's like, there's a huge part where people are missing out. So can I, is it okay to talk about the buyer's pyramid? Do you know about oh, the Oh yeah, no, go for it. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm, I'm drawing really 
beautifully. Look at how Picasso I am. I um, so for everyone that's following around uh, along, I recommend draw this. So can you draw a triangle? And then of that triangle, can you put a line at about 3% of that triangle? 3% of the people that you reach out to, whether it be cold calling, cold emailing, reach out on Facebook, uh, you know, you're in a stadium and you're talking to people, roughly around 3% will be in the buying now category. So they're interested in buying your product or service at that moment. So you cold email a hundred people, three of them will be in that buying now category. So that's what all of those emails of, Hey, do you want my service? Hey, do you want my service? But here's the kicker. So then you draw another line at 7% and that's open to it. I don't think you can even see what I'm writing, but I'm saying open to it. And okay. Okay. And then 30%. So you draw a line at 30%. They're not thinking about it. And next 30%, think that they're not interested. And then the last 30% are definitely not interested. So if you look at this entire buyer's pyramid, 90% of that buyer's pyramid is not interested in you, your product or service. So if every email that you're sending out is saying, hey, I'd love to discuss with you my product or service, you are missing out on 90% of that potential uh, prospects saying yes to being interested. So what we teach is education-based marketing. So before content marketing was even a thing, my father taught education-based marketing. It's just brilliant how he was a predecessor to all of this. But can you give an education that gets the attention of the entire buyer's pyramid that leads them from the bottom to move up to the top of that into the buying now category? And we've done this in every industry. And for example, we had a client out of Dubai that sold high-end real estate. And instead of talking about the lighting and the the uh, tiles on the floor, they started talking about the biggest, the how to avoid premature death, diabetes, and what you can do about it. We started talking about people's health instead because they were reaching out to uh, Fortune 500 CEOs, which Fortune 500 CEOs don't care about the lighting in a new uh, condo. They're worried because they're working four hours, they're sleeping four hours a night. That that creates a 55% more likelihood of them getting a stroke. They're 25% more likely to have cancer and die prematurely. You know, and they're thinking about their parents that died prematurely. They're thinking about their uncle. They're, They're looking around and seeing their staff, you know, having hard time. So what can you do to educate the entire buyer's pyramid so that you do get Kathy's attention, right? From a cold email, because you're talking to what's up on the, on the right. top of her mind. It like, just, and what, where's the pain point in my life that you can solve for, right? Yes. Oh my God. It boggles my head how we've figured out how to automate things, but could you, could you do it in a way that's strategic so you don't have to work so hard and, and you can get more people's attention and actually provide something of value so that they thank you for that cold email instead of ugh, another one of these emails, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's so interesting because that is so the human condition. And so what what sort of has been the the um the impact of that in terms of moving people up that that pyramid have you sort of just constantly seeing this shift where you're moving that 90% into that upper echelon because people are are connecting emotionally or is it strategically i mean what what is that 
huge. I'll give you one of my father's quotes. A strategist will slaughter the tactician every time. So instead of working harder by how many, you know, how many more people can I cold call? How many more people can I email? How many more emails, right? It talking to what's important to them has dramatically. So Zaya, for example, they increased their sales by 3,546%. They actually grew by $602 million in 12 months. We also had to fire their entire sales team. That was Deborah Bringleson on that one, uh, one of the consultants that we work with. Um, right. uh, because salespeople were like, how am I talking about diabetes and premature death now that I, you know, I talk about, uh, you know, condos. <laughs> so it's changing for a salesperson. It's changing what's important. You now as a salesperson, you are a trusted advisor. You're talking yeah. about things that, uh, that talk about the entire industry. You're giving right. them you know, very important things that catch their attention because it's something that's keeping them up at night. So that is a, it's a gift to be able to do that naturally. If you find somebody that, that does do that, they're part of the like two percentile, the top 2% that actually understand that. But we do train people on how to do this and building out scripts to do this and emails to do this and video sales letters and, you know, all of these mediums to help become the number one in your market. So Zaya increased, they did a great job. I mean, I could give you a bunch more examples if you wanted of how becoming more strategic in your messaging can increase ninefold. And that relates to cold calling, right? I mean, and which so many people have to do in their business. Um, And it's interesting because there are those that are in the sales business where they're externally selling. And then there are those who are trying to grow their own business, which means they're selling themselves. So is there a different tactic or strategy? I'm sorry, I should say for selling oneself, one's company. And, you know, if if in the case of a company like ours, we're a small agency. So it is my name on the door and it is a small, you know, it's a sense of self that we are selling um, to engage people like us. But is there sort of a different approach in that regard as far as how one talks about their own business versus selling something for a client that is a part of a part of, you know, one of your clients that you sell for? Well, because of social media today, right, the the personal brands have become so much more prevalent than they ever have been because you can interact, right? It was statistically shown that if a company tries to generate a lead versus a salesperson or, or just a person under yeah. that brand, they're seven times more likely to convert them as a client than if the brand had, let's yeah. say, just posted something on Facebook. So and we see it every day, connection. right? The human connection, yes. So there's something to be said about being authentic and speaking from your own voice. But then there's also something to be said about speaking to what the pain point of your prospect is, right? So the start to having that dialogue can begin with you. You know, we're not talking about me, we're talking about you, right? That's that buyer's pyramid. Let's let's get to the entire buyer's pyramid, whether that's, you know, a message saying, hey, Business owners like you, we know that 75% of businesses, or I'm sorry, 65% of businesses don't make a profit. This is shocking. 95% of businesses don't make above a million in annual sales. And there's three reasons why. I'd love to share that with you if you had 15 minutes. 
Yeah. Right. We've done some market data. We we've, we've analyzed the market. We've given this, we'd love to give you this complimentary, right? How much more valuable is that than just saying, Hey, I do, you know, I, I generate leads for companies. This is all the companies that we've done. I'd love to talk to you, right? You'll only get that 3%. Yeah. So the question for you, it would be, you know, who is that ideal buyer? And then what is keeping them up at night, right? And then speaking to that, can you put a little market data in there to make it more relevant and more valid, right? Because right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. <laughs> no, no, don't pause. I love what you're sharing. And I, I just, I love the wisdom and the expertise that, you know, it's so amazing in what you do. And I think in all honesty from, you know, having looked at the company and had conversations with your colleagues and folks that work there, um, it's so reasonable when you look at the ability to, the amount of time and the financial investment of working with your team and getting this knowledge and expertise and what the ROI is. And it's like anything, you've got to be willing to do the work. It's all very well to be exposed to incredible information, but you've got to really commit to it and get it done. And I think that's also one of the challenges that a lot of people, like anything, we all know how to go on a diet and we know what we should and shouldn't eat and how much we need to exercise, but are we actually doing it? And how do we get of that mental hurdle of really applying it or prioritizing it and scheduling it into our business and our business days or our personal lives, whatever those goals are, right? Well, that, that brings me to another point as well. So another quotable quote from my father, right? Mastery isn't about doing 4,000 different things. It's about mm -hmm. doing 12 things 4,000 times. And he realized this being a karateka, he was a fourth degree black belt. How many times do you punch in rounds of two? You know, how many different kicks are there? There's not a lot, but it's the repetition that makes the difference. And he realized it was the same thing in business. It wasn't about the shiny object of 4,000 different ways, right? Just pick those 12 and master them. It takes time. It takes effort. I just interviewed one of our clients. Um, she was, she invented a plant-based rodent repellent. She was a farmer's wife out of North Dakota. And everyone said, you're crazy nobody's going to want essential oils to get rid of rats. And she said, Oh, really, I do believe I can do this. And she came to us just at the beginning of her journey. And since then, she has grown 40% year over year for the last decade. And she has never let off of the gas pedal on her dream 100 strategy. So that's just one of our 12 core competencies on how to double sales. She just continually refines her process of winning those big clients that can completely change your world. For her, it's retailers because she sells to retail. Right. That's incredible. So reinventing the mindset is a really important part of the process. I mean, it's got to be part of your strategy and your teachings and, and really guiding people to that place. Do you find that most people are challenged with that? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard one. I mean, you know, helping people understand, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's the fear of failure. It's the fear of putting some energy and effort into something and not getting the results. A lot of people are afraid to take those risks. So, you know, just looking at that, that word fear, you know, is that something that comes up in conversations, in the trainings that you do, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. It's not just the tactics to your point. There's a most lot. definitely. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, you look at this book, right? Yeah. It has sold, it sells thousands of copies a month 
purely by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. For the last eight years, I've done very little to market mm-hmm. it. It's just, you know, people saying, this is a great book. You should read it. This is a great book. You yeah. should read it, right? Hundreds of thousands of businesses have followed our methodology. And yet everyone that reads it, they don't get the same results. And it's, and it's really, it's, uh, I'm in the middle of finishing the new edition. Oh my gosh. It's only taken me two years, which is crazy. Oh, wow. It's taken a long time, but I'm writing the 13th chapter. So there's 12 core competencies to double sales. And I, and I'm putting in the 13th because it's the one competency that if you aren't able to do that, then all the others are null and void. And it's exactly what you're saying. The ability to go beyond your fears and your anxieties and your belief systems to actually implement it. So that's part of what the new edition will be when it's finally out. Glad I just tapped into a little nugget. Oh, I know. Superpower. It's a lot. It's a lot. But, but that's been my study. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is something that really does come up for most people. It is that fear of failure. It is that fear of not succeeding. And it's that, you know, over analysis, which causes paralysis that stop people from getting, you know, that fear of, you know, some people don't feel deserving of financial success. They want it, but somewhere in them, they just don't have that confidence. They don't feel that. They have an odd relationship with money, which is not unusual for a lot of people, or they just don't believe that they will succeed no matter how much they put into it. So they're willing to forego their dream in order to not take that risk. Well, for years, we only had products online. Well, at that time, it was... I'm too far away, but I would grab my DVD program from back in the day when we had DVD cassettes, right? So my father started there, like, here, here's your, here's your DVD. I've given you everything you need to succeed. It's all right here, right? right? And still the results wouldn't happen as much as when we added coaching to it. Yeah. So even statistics, even statistically, it's been proven that you're 400 percent more likely to implement a strategy and do it more effectively if you have a coach assisting you to guide you. So that's why we have coaches. I mean, why not? You're going to you've got accountability, right? Yeah, you have yeah. I mean it just gets you there faster. Yeah. No, that makes all the sense in the world. I love that. Well look, I think, you know, these are really important topics and and things that people really uh steer away from. So you've got a new chapter coming out in your book. You are running this incredible company and changing people's lives. It has to be so incredibly rewarding. What else is on your bucket list? Where's the music? Where is the music in your life? Aside from uh, what we just got to hear a moment ago, clearly there is a guitar not too far away from you at all times. But yeah, what, what, where what is what is sort of in that next next reinvention for you? What 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 gets added to Amanda's life? Yeah, um, I definitely I've I've noticed that, you know, when I come up against something that I'm fearful of, I pick up my guitar and I do some kind of affirmation or meditation for two to three to 10 minutes, just to help me get clearer. And then I move on. And I thought, that's probably something that other people would want, you know, Mm -hmm. So recently, I've actually been exploring this. Just last week, I had a string section recorded on a demo that I'm doing of a song that I wrote. And it's the verses are about the 
emotional struggle. And then the choruses are actually an ancient Sanskrit chant, uh, Om Namo Shivaya. And uh, I kind of blended them together and I, I'm loving it so far. So I guess that will at some point divulge because I would love to give executives and leaders and people that are just trying to get to the next level in their lives, music, right? To, to just in the day to day, you know, you have five minutes instead of going on social, why not listen to this track and sing along, you know, or just yeah. listen to it, you know? And I think everybody's so much more open to finding a little bit of that inner peace and inner connection for themselves now. Do you remember when Ariana Huffington first came out a few years back and started really helping um, corporate American individuals understand the value of sleep and putting in sleep pods in their workplace and really focusing on it? I'll never forget when she said she was at a luncheon with some big fancy CEO, some big company and he came into lunch. It's like, oh, I only had four hours of sleep last night. And she looked at him and she said, I wonder how much more interesting our conversation would have been today if you had had six hours of sleep. Like, why are you bragging about not getting enough sleep? That is not a badge of honor. You would be a smarter, more interesting, well-rounded human being if you were actually sleeping every night. And it was kind of the tone that she was setting for the importance of sleep in our lives and connecting and like self-care. And I think we're really living now in a generation. And again, I think the last year has had a big impact on people's ability to pause and reflect and take advantage of it and put new practices in their lives that hopefully they will continue to carry forward with. And we're going to have people who are just a little more connected than we had coming into all of this. Um, so I love the idea of knowing where music is going to just sort of become that much more important to all of us. Thank Love you. That. Yeah, I look forward to it too. I thought uh, Sally said, can you post the lyrics of your original affirmation song earlier? Thank you. And you actually um, cited a mantra or something in Sanskrit that you were just referring to a moment ago. Oh, yeah. Om namo shivaya. Yeah. yeah, what is the meaning of that? Um, that one is to... Um, to raise above the ego and the emotional blockages to connect to your intuition or your higher self. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I've got one more fun question for you and then I'd like to open it up to anybody that wants to ask any questions or share any wonderful thoughts. Um, when it is safe, which it's starting to slowly become a little safer for all of us now, thank goodness. Um, and you can have a dinner party and you can have anybody sitting at that dinner party. Who would you like to surround yourself with? You'd like to break bread with and have a very indulgent conversation with three or four people that just sort of really intrigue you. Mm, they'd have to be alive, huh? No, they don't have to be alive. Oh, okay. So the first thing that came up for me is I would love to have Guru Nanak, Jesus, and Buddha at the table with me. And then I thought, that. oh no, I don't think she really wants to hear this. <laughs> throw, in, throw in one living person that would really <laughs> appreciate that table with you. <laughs> I want to hear you. I you love music. Is there, is there some musician that you just, you just love that time with? especially at a table like that mm. or someone in business who you think is, you know, obviously your father was that person that was the great mentor for you. 
be known. Yeah. Well, now when I say all of those people, then to say somebody that's not enlightened would be a little bit odd. So I can't quite figure out how I would fit that in. It would have to be a different table. Okay. If I had a different table and it was okay, people you that could were go living, back and forth between the two tables. Yeah. You could do that. I think one would be Charlie Munger. I would love to talk mm-hmm. with Charlie Munger and kind of just get a, get an idea uh, for what that, what that was like and the experience was. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Thank you so um, much. I want to take you all out with a quote before we say a proper goodbye. It's one of my favorites. And since we've got a new, a couple of new people here today, um, I just want to share this because it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's from John Lennon. When I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. When I went to school, they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment. I told them they didn't understand life. Wow. <laughs> Chills. A beautiful thought for the day. Think about what life really means to you, who you want to be, where you want to go. Um, we've shared in the chat links to all things Amanda, Chet Holmes, International, everything, so that if anybody wants to take a deeper dive and look at what she's doing, or reach out to us on social media if you're listening on Facebook or at some later point. Um, I would love to connect you. Amanda, thank you so much for today, for sharing of yourself and what you're doing and who you are and being a guest on the virtual chat. I hope you all have a beautiful week. Happy reinventing. Just go out there and live large and have a wonderful week. And Amanda, thank you for being a part of today. Thank you so much. It was so lovely. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.